I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. I read a book about four years ago that I felt was kind of like the holy grail of enhancing children's lives with music, not just in childhood, but for the rest of their life. I immediately recommended the book to my students and their parents and started sharing little snippets of the book with them. And today, four years later, I am still regularly using quotes from the author. I have the author with me today. Charlene Habermeyer is the author of Good Music, Brighter Children, Simple and Practical Ideas to Help Transform Your Child's Life Through the Power of Music. The book was originally published in 1999. It has been translated into five languages and was republished in 2014 with over 65% new material. Charlene is also a college instructor, consultant, lecturer, and mother of five grown boys. Welcome to Enhance Life with Music, Charlene. Thank you, Mindy, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Wonderful to have you. I'm so so excited to actually be talking to you, the author. I've enjoyed your book so much over the years. Oh, thank you. Well, usually what I do is I end my conversation with guests with a coda, but I'm actually going to have you kick off our conversation with a coda because you have a really powerful and personal story of seeing firsthand the effect music can have on the brain, and it was on the brain of one of your sons. Can you tell us a little bit about the challenges that your son faced and the role that music had on his development? Thank you. I will. Um, This is my third son, Brandon. And there was a very traumatic birth, and it caused brain damage. Um, What happened was when he was three years of age, he was still not talking. And my other kids, I exposed my kids to classical music in utero. I took books and music with me to the hospital. And then from that point on, I had exposed them to music and books. And so they were all early talkers, early readers. So Brandon was the exception to the rule. Um, He was struggling with all of this. So especially with language. So we got him working with a speech and language teacher. And then when he was starting kindergarten, there were issues. And so we had him professionally tested. Now, usually learning disabilities start with speech and language. That is usually a red flag. But definitely what follows is auditory processing. So when we had him tested, and we had him tested a couple of times, it came back with auditory processing, visual motor, visual perception, sensory integration, scotopic sensitivity syndrome. He had anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So it was quite... quite And this is all diagnosed at age... Three? He, he was, well, first at age three, they tested him for speech and language. But then when he started into kindergarten, okay. the teacher, actually starting in September, the teacher was a real wise soul mm-hmm. who called me in October of that year. And she said, you know, something's not quite right. And she explained something. So then we took him and we had him professionally tested. Mm-hmm. He was tested through the schools, but then we also had him professionally tested. And both came back with pretty much the same mm-hmm. result. And we were also told that they said that the extent of his learning disabilities are so severe that they said you'll be lucky if he graduates from high school and college is pretty much out of the question. And what I did is... Um, I had been gathering uh, how music affects the brain. I'd been gathering research since 1979. He was born in 1982 and was tested in 1988. So I had an understanding of what music can do and what it can do for the brain. 
So I did, um, this was before the age of the internet, so I had to actually go to the library, had to learn about learning disabilities, I had to find different programs to put him in, and I did. He was in a lot of different programs. Well, you had a lot of time to do this with three young children (laughs) you were taking care of, right? (laughs) It was was kind of, yeah, (laughs) it was a little on the challenging side. But, you know, thankfully, yes, my husband was a big help, but thankfully the older two, they were pretty um, sufficient. I mean, obviously I helped them and that, but Brandon required a ton of help. So it wasn't we were just dealing with learning issues. We were also dealing with the emotional issues. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do is I wanted him in music programs. And so I put him in a little kind of like a mommy and me music program at the age of four. And then I tried to later on when he was about in the first grade, I tried to get him uh, enrolled with private music teachers. But in California, you know, they have an interview and they kind of test the child and they said that his spatial orientation was so off that they, you know, they wouldn't take him. So then I decided to teach him myself. So I color-coded the keyboard up one octave and later up two octaves, both sides. And then I color-coded all of his musical notes. Then I would point to the note and I would point to the key. So you're a music teacher, so you understand that's kind of a painstaking process. Yeah. But little by little, and I also had him listen to classical music at night. I had him listen to classical music along with his brothers when he was doing homework. Little by little, he started really progressing. Now, a lot of people said to me, well, it's probably the programs. And I said, well, in the beginning, I thought, yes, it's probably the programs. However, I had networked with a number of parents with learning disabled kids. And their kids, Brandon was the worst. Mm -hmm. But Brandon was progressing the fastest. So they kind of came to me and said, you know, are you, you know, do you have him in something that we don't have that we need to know about? Hmm. So as we compared notes, the only thing that I was doing that they were not doing was the music. Hmm. So I knew that it was key. And so like anything that he brought home that he had to learn for school, I just put it to music. I don't have your extensive background in music, But I know enough and I play instruments, so I know enough and I can read music that I know how to make up jingles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So all of his homework and everything, I just set to different jingles to help him. And we did clapping and movement and jingles and all of those different things. Mm. So the long and the short of it is what he did graduate from high school. He went on to a four-year university. Mm. He graduated with a double major in film and philosophy oh. with a uh, university GPA of 4.0. Oh, my word. <laughs> so he's, and, you know, he really, one of his philosophy teachers even mentioned, he said, with your brain, you really belong at a Harvard or, or a Princeton. He's yeah. extremely bright. However, even to this day, when he's on the train going to work, he still listens to classical music because it helps to organize his brain and get it working on all four cylinders prior to getting to work. He understands the power of music. Wow, that's really incredible. And you devote a chapter in the book to children dealing with cognitive, physical, social challenges and how music can be a catalyst for success for them. Uh, You also have chapters in the book as well that talk about choosing an instrument, choosing a teacher, practicing and motivation, supporting the arts in your community. Talk to us about some of the information in the book about the role of music on the development of the brain and the entire neurological system. 
Well, music is extraordinarily unique in, in fact that it's the only activity that we get engaged in that actually exercises the entire brain at once. The left, the right, the front, the back, the top, the bottom portions of the brain. And it particularly focuses in and exercises the auditory, the visual, and the motor areas of the brain, which are all connected to different forms of learning. The auditory, of course, is extremely important for reading because when a child first learns to read, they're using their ears, not their eyes, because they have to be able to hear the sounds of the letters, the blends, the consonants before they can say the word. It's kind of like you and I, if we were looking, like, I don't know any of the Pacific Rim languages like Chinese or Japanese or Korean. They use an entirely different alphabet system, kanji, I think it is. And so if I were to look at one of those words, <laughs> there's no way I would know what it says mm-hmm. unless somebody says the word. And then I'm using my ears. So the auditory portion of the brain is extremely important to lay the foundation for learning. The visual is very important because visual, when you're reading a book, the visual kicks in because you're forming pictures in your mind. And that helps with the reading comprehension. Then there's the visual spatial, which is, you know, like the um, the brights of Einstein. He was a spatial genius. And what this is, and music enhances this, it actually helps you to form three-dimensional pictures in your mind so that you're able to form these solved difficult problems like in higher levels and forms of math. Einstein, people talk about that he was this mathematician. Oh, he was a spatial genius. When he died... His brain was cut into five sections, and it was um, studied by various researchers across the world. And Dr. Marion Diamond at UC Berkeley, she got the area of his brain that was responsible for spatial, and it was 25% larger than the average brain. Now, what's interesting is he was an avid violinist, and I think Walter Isaacson wrote the biography on uh, on Einstein, and he said that his son, Hans, would say that when his father reached a difficult problem that he was working on, he would always go to his violin and he would play it until he found the answer mm. because it was exercising those visual spatial areas. And then the motor area of the brain, that is the part of the brain that organizes the entire neurological system. That is the movement. So when you think about it, When a child learns a musical instrument, they're using their eyes, their ears, their hands, their feet. They're using the entire body and all of their senses to learn that particular piece of music and to become proficient in that instrument. Mm -hmm. So as they're doing that, they're really miles ahead of their peers who are not taking and learning a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. I remember that story about Einstein from your book. You have so much information about the effect of music on children understanding STEM subjects. Oh, yes. And on music enhancing memory. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that later. You talk too about music creating some real life learning experiences for children. You quote the author of The Millionaire Next Door, who talks about how wealth is built on hard work, perseverance, planning, and most of all, self-discipline. And remarkably, when children learn to play a musical instrument, those are the exact values and skills that they're developing and learning. And it's really critical for their success in the future, whether it's financial or otherwise. Talk to us a little bit more about those life skills that children learn through playing a musical instrument. 
Well, those are really, really important values. Let me backtrack on one thing on the STEM subjects that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most people are aware and they're becoming more aware that STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay, when I was updating the book in 2011, I was looking into STEM because what they did is that they added two more M's to the end of it. They put science, technology, engineering, math, music, and medicine. Oh, I now, didn't since, know that. Yeah, and that's how I actually put it in my book. But since that time, they've changed it again within the last 18 months. Now it reads science, technology, engineering, art, and um, math. Oh, so the good same. thing is, is that they're understanding that the arts are extremely important for brain development. Well, clear back in the time of Pythagoras, they understood the importance of music, and it was considered one of the four pillars of learning. So even children, I mean, everybody learned how to play a musical instrument, even children who were in orphanages. Mm -hmm. It was expected in that society, and that held on for many hundreds of years, the importance of children taking a musical instrument. As a result of that, they saw that there were values that were developed as a result. So when a child learns a musical instrument, certainly they're learning dependability and responsibility because every day they know that they have to practice that instrument. So they are learning to be responsible. And you and I both know that that carries on into their adulthood and their young adulthood when they're going out to try and find a job, right? Oh, for sure. They also develop creativity, and they also develop critical thinking skills. Now, this is a really interesting one because I think we're all familiar with core math and core reading, and they just came out with the studies because this first group of students that are graduating from high school are the ones who have been in core math and core reading since the beginning. Okay, they started in the schools, and they are the least prepared, in fact, the worst prepared of any group graduating from high school, I think, in the last really? 50 50 or 100 years. So if if you talk to educators, and I've talked to a number of them, and they've all said to me the same thing. They love it because it helps kids to think and to really analyze, you know, how they come up with a certain answer in math. And I said, well, here's the big problem. I said, the problem is, is that if you look at neuroscience, that that whole thing of what is involved in the higher order thinking skills, which is being able to analyze, synthesize, and evaluate knowledge. Okay, so you have those three, and then you have compare, contrast, which is at the lower end. So you can teach a kindergartner how to compare, contrast. But as it goes up, thinking is a developmental process. So think about how you thought as a kindergartner, then you went through elementary and junior high and high school and college, and you can see that your thinking process gets better with age. As you get older, it just, you know, your brain gets better. So what they're expecting is higher order thinking skills at a very young age, and the brain is not ready for it. It's not developmentally ready there for it. Now, what happens is if the people who had made these decisions had looked at the neuroscience, they would have seen that higher order thinking skills do not start to develop until the age of 17. That's when they start. And they're almost out of high school by then. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can, you know, you could bring in core math and everything to a college student and then they'll understand it because those higher order thinking skills would have kicked in, but certainly not at the younger age. They, they're they rote learners. In fact, a child in the beginning, up until the time they go to kindergarten, they're living in the right side of their brain. It's when they start going to kindergarten where they're basically shoved over to the left side. They've got to balance the two now. 
Mm-hmm. However, now one thing, and here's the exception, and this is very powerful in, kid, in terms of kids and music lessons. If a child is learning a musical instrument, their higher order thinking skills develop quicker. Okay, so they're going to be able to do better in like core reading and core math because those areas of the brain responsible for those higher order thinking skills is kicking in and is being exercised at a younger age. Okay. Is there anything else besides music that can sort of give the brain a jump start on developing that area? No, it isn't. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, I love the visual arts uh, as well. My kids were all into art lessons, too. I felt that was very important. But that doesn't exercise the brain like music does. And they've done tons of studies, and then they look into drama. Does that help? What about sculpting? They've looked into all of those things. And they've actually done some studies at UCLA to show that when a, a, a child is actually learning a musical instrument, okay, when they're listening, certain areas of the brain light up. But when they're learning a musical instrument, they said it's like the brain is literally on fire. All right. And another thing they thought, okay, what about sports? Because movement is indispensable to learning. It's extremely important. They know that now. Okay. So then they tried, you know, in basketball players, football players. No, it certain, certainly certain areas of the brain lit up and the motor areas of the brain were definitely lit up and that helps with brain organization. But it wasn't using the auditory, the visual and the motor all together at the same time. And that's what learning a musical instrument does. Incredible. So I know in my book I talk about that one of the values that, a, that is learned from learning a musical instrument is the value of critical thinking skills and creativity, which is huge. And considering that in the 21st century, we're dealing with very complex problems, and they need to be able to be solved and resolved by young people who have these higher order thinking skills. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned in your book, I don't know if you refer to it as 21st century skills, but I'm starting to hear more of that term discussed. And you bring up some U.S. Department of Labor reports that talk about the needs for working in today's market are the ability to work in teams, communication, creative thinking, imagination, invention. And those are things that you're talking about that are developed with learning a musical instrument. Well, and that actually was the SCANS report, and that was done in 1990. And that was an interesting one because it was when the Department of Labor and the Department of Education got together. The Department of Labor was saying, hey, these kids are coming out of high school, college, they're not prepared for the workforce. You know, we want to do A, B, C, and D. Well, if they had put in comprehensive sequential music programs into the schools, they would have better prepared that upcoming generation for what they were demanding. Hmm. So, so you know, these kids at, that were being evaluated and saying they're not adequately prepared for the workforce were those kids who had not had music education in those schools. Well, it was a broad spectrum that they took on that on that study, but yes, some of them had and some of them had not. Hmm. But the one big problem that that came out of that study was they were talking about teamwork skills. They were saying, you know, kids in the United States they don't know teamwork. Well, that is cultural. Because in the United States, we're an I society. We value the individual above the group. Mm -hmm. Okay, just about every country outside of the United States is a we society. Like, we all move together or we don't move at all. It's Mm -hmm. collaboration, cooperation. So people understand teamwork. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
it's, there's been a huge emphasis. And again, if you put music programs in the schools, if you have a child learning a musical instrument, particularly if they're going to be in band or orchestra, they are going to learn teamwork skills. They have to listen to the person next to them in order to, you know, blend and, and create a beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. So they are learning those things as they learn a musical instrument. And a lot of these different reports and statistics and everything they come out with as I read them, particularly in the the realm of education, I think, you know, if they would just get better music programs in the schools, a lot of these issues that they're talking about would resolve themselves because of how music develops the brain. You know, the other thing is they say, you know, kids don't, they're not uh, persistent, they don't have as much resilience, they don't, they're not as hard workers Mm -hmm. as they were in the past. Well, again, it's um, music, learning a musical instrument that's going to help all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and everything you've been talking about today also reinforces some of the points that you make in the book about children don't have to become concert pianists to gain no. the benefits that come through playing a musical instrument. And you also talk about the lifelong nature of the benefits of playing a musical instrument in the sense of when you're 80 years old, you're not going to be out kicking a soccer ball at a- around, but you will still be able to play your musical instrument. Yes. And, you know, my father is an example of that. He died when he was 95. He played the piano up through when he was 90. Um, He could still recite all of these different poems and everything that had a jingle or a rhythm to it. He could still uh, recite those at 95 that he had learned when he was in grade school. So it's Music, it, it is something that you can enjoy. My, my music teacher, my adult music teacher, my piano teacher, she just recently died and she was 107. Mm. And amazing, amazing woman. Um, pretty much when she turned 100 each week, we had a, her adult students, and obviously I was one of her adult students, we would get together once a month to talk about and discuss music, to play and so forth. She kept up with those until she was almost 100. Oh, wow. So, and obviously, she has some longevity genes in her, uh, in her <laughs> ancestry. However, she always claimed that music kept her young and it kept her mind active. Well, I can believe it. I mean, all the things that you've talked about in terms of how a child's brain is affected by music is incredibly powerful. But then you also think about older people, you know, if you continue that or even start it as an older adult, there's a lot of studies that talk about the brain's ability to continue to grow and grow new brain cells throughout our lives and how mental challenges can really enhance that process. And you know what? Everyone's worried about Alzheimer's these days. And I'm actually working to finish up a blog on Alzheimer's and how music affects it. But John Holt, I write about him in my book. And at the age of 50, he decided he wanted to learn, I think it was the clarinet. So he enrolled in, in music lessons. He took for five years, and then he was good enough to join an orchestra. So, and they're finding, um, it was Dr. David Snowden, he was one of the pioneers of doing work on people with Alzheimer's and why some people get it and why some people don't. And so he went into, I think it was the School Sisters of Minnesota, I think it was in Minnesota where you're at, and he studied these nuns who were living well into their 100, 103, 107. And so they gave permission that afterwards they would donate their brains to science. So what he found is that there were some of those nuns who actually had the plaques of Alzheimer's, but they didn't manifest any of the symptoms 
So then he went in and he wanted to find out, okay, what are these people doing? Now, in the beginning, I thought it was kind of funny because I thought, well, they're not married. They don't have kids. So they just added 75 years to their lives right there. Because, <laughs> so, yep. you know, kids, they, they put a strain on your... Okay. So anyway, what they were doing is they were journaling, they were doing crossword puzzles, and they were learning musical instruments. Uh. So I thought, here we, again, we have another testament to the power of music. Wow, incredible. Well, I ask all my guests to give listeners what I call an improv, which is a try this at home, a hack, an experiment that will enhance listeners' lives with music. Tell us about the improv suggestion you have for listeners today. Okay, what I've been telling people since 1979 is have your kids listen to certain pieces of classical music while they're studying Way back in the early 60s, a Dr. Georgi Lazanov, he studied certain pieces of classical music, and he found that when listening to them, they actually change the way your brain processes information. It gets better. Okay, so the body relaxes, the brain remains active. So you're able to particularly memorize information really well. You're able to absorb, retain, and retrieve the information he also found that kids are that are able to focus and concentrate and pay attention and stick to a task. He also found that because it lowers the blood pressure and it lowers the heart rate, that kids who suffer from anxiety or depression, it relieves it. It, it lowers it and it can totally relieve it. So I actually started my kids in 1988. The first CDs came out in 1984, and the very first music that they put on CDs were Chopin's um, um, waltzes. So anyway, I started, I got the music that Lazanov suggested, and I started playing it for my kids when they were just studying. And it was pretty miraculous um, for what I saw. And another thing that I noticed is when they came home from school, they were tired. But when I played this music, it actually energized them, and it gave them focused energy to be able to handle strenuous work. So then when I was in my master's program, I decided to do a study on it. And usually when you're going to do a formal study, you want to collaborate with other scientists or researchers across the country who have done similar studies. So that's what I did. And then I created my own study. And I was just focusing in on memorization. And I showed an increase of up to 85% increase in memorization. So I continued on and I've helped other people, other parents, other adults. I've had some friends that have gone back to school later in life that had a difficult time with focusing. And so I you know, help them to get the the right music. It has to be with the correct tempo and sound. So I am offering a program that comes with 78 tracks of music. There's also five modules that have nine lessons. And then there's two hours of video training. What I've done just to clarify what you're describing now is a brand new classical music course that you've put together that is available starting what today, the 25th? (sighs) Yes, and it comes with my book, which is 465 pages, and you get access to a private Facebook group. So if you have any questions, you can come on and I can share my expertise with you and help you in any way that you need help. The whole course is on the introductory offer. There's an early bird special from the 25th, 26th, and 27th for $97. And there's other things that are included that I'm not going into now. The one thing that is different with my course and and the music that I'm offering, there are other classical music listening courses, but they use filtered acoustical music. 
One of them is Dr. Alfred Tomatis, who is an ear, nose, and throat doctor in France, and he's been around for years. He collaborated with Lozanov in his original work. Now, I had Brandon go through that program, but all he could do was he had the headphones on and he couldn't do any homework. He had to just listen to the music. They were focusing in on the auditory system and his inner ear. Then another uh, group came out, Advanced Brain Technologies, and then another one after that was um, Integrated Learning or Listening Systems. That was Dr. Minson, who also studied under Tomatis. Okay, all of those programs focus on the inner ear, and some use movement, and they are thousands of dollars. Tomatis' program is not available, but um, I purchased the ABT program. It was $1,200. And the um, Dr. Minson, the integrated listening systems, that was almost 5,000. So they're excellent in what they do. But with Brandon, I needed something when he was doing his homework. I needed him to be able to focus, concentrate, pay attention, stick to the task, memorize, and so forth. That's why I went back to Lazanus' original work, where that's what he showed with his original studies. This is what will happen when you listen to this music. Now, a lot of people will say, well, why can't I just go down and download just any classical music or get a list of the classical music he studied? Well, it has to be a certain tempo. For instance, Handel's water music is one of them. I listened to probably 12 different orchestras performing Handel's water music. I had my metronome there. I was counting the beats out. I was looking for a certain tempo and clarity. So... So you would get the very best benefit from it rather than just going to the store and picking up any CD. Mm-hmm. That's why those 78 tracks are extremely valuable, and I would download them. You can download them to your phone. You could have it playing in the car. I had some people test it, and one woman said, you know, she has four kids. They're typical kids. They fight with each other. <laughs> so she said... <laughs> She noticed such a change with her kids and how they were treating each other. Oh, really? She says, now we keep it in the uh, in the car. We listen to it in the car, not only while they're studying, but she said they have it in the car. Okay, parents. Summer yes. vacation, summer break from school is not that far exactly. away. <laughs> Take advantage of this early bird special and do yourself a favor for the summer. Exactly. And, you know, if they use your link, they can have access to the early bird special. Okay, I'll include the link in the show notes. And I just want to make sure listeners know, too, that when you do purchase this course, it does come with the e-version of the book that we're talking about, Charlene's book that we've been talking about today. Yes, and what I do is I send Amazon your email, and they will send you a code so that you can download the book for free onto any of your devices. Okay, wonderful. So starting on February 25th, the early bird special is available. And when does the price go up to 127 On the 28th of February through okay. March 5th. The last seven days are the regular price of 127 Oh, so after March 5th, is the course no longer available? It will be available again in September. Okay. You know, I'll open up the cart again. I want some time to do updates too. And that's another thing. Once you purchase the course, as the course increases in price, you will still get all of the updates for free. And I will continually update. In fact, I've been making a list of updates that I want to include as well. So you will get all of those updates for free. Okay. So this is almost like a beta version. This is the beta version. There's, you know, I've I've been working on it for 10 months because I made it very, very comprehensive and inclusive. 
uh, a lot of information so that parents understand the value and the importance of it. But you know what? There's always things that you learn along the way and you think, okay, I'm, this can be tweaked here and here, but the music I'm not changing. The music is pretty amazing. Can't wait to check it out. To learn more about Charlene's Powerhouse Music course and take advantage of her limited time offer, follow the link found both in the show notes on my website and in the episode details right in your podcast app. For website show notes, go to mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 31. You can also learn more about Charlene's work and connect with her on her website, goodparentingbrighterchildren.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and more. All the links can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back again next Tuesday with a guest whose advocacy work and methods have saved over $70 million in proposed school district music cuts. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.